It's MLS All-Star Week, which makes this a good time to take stock of all things Toronto FC. We'll do just that on this week's Footy Talks podcast, along with a Canadian Championship update and a few other topics sprinkled in as well. My name is Mitchell Tierney, and this week on the show, Michael Leach of 680 News and One Soccer is back. Michael, always great to have you on. Thanks very much for having me, Mitchell. Let's start with uh, Toronto FC. As I mentioned off the top, we have a number of topics to get to surrounding the club as they've been incredibly busy in the transfer window recently uh you know and and will be very busy on the field coming up as well as they have a number of important games over the next couple of weeks but uh, let's start with the biggest news in, in recent weeks and that's the signing of Nicolas Benazet uh on loan from French club Guignamp uh they recently got relegated to Ligue 2 so um you know this is an option for him to uh, still play at a higher level and uh, a loan deal with an option to buy. He's been in Liga for the past six years and a French youth international as well. So uh, seems like an interesting signing for Toronto FC, certainly. I mean, he fits the you know the winger mold that Greg Vanny's looking for, but it sounds like he's a flexible player who can kind of play uh, an attacking midfield role as well. We know how much, I guess, Greg Vanny values flexibility within his roster, and this seems like a player who uh, will bring some of that for the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he, he certainly fits uh, fits the mold. He's he's versatile, and uh, I think that's going to be something that's that's critical that that Vanny wants is having guys that can slot in in different spots, uh, in, in particular, you know, in that midfield. Um, you know, I think uh, uh, he's got Liga experience, so uh, you know, it's I think it's a good signing for TFC, and that it's alone it makes it a little bit better because. Obviously, if it doesn't work out, then the loan comes to an end. He goes back to his club. Um, but with the option to buy, uh, I, I think this uh, this gives TFC a little bit of flexibility, a little bit of versatility. I think it's a really good move for the team. Yeah, certainly we'll see. Uh, we'll see how things play out. They've they've done this before with guys like Lucas Hansen, where uh, they brought players in on loan during this summer transfer window, and and evidently that one got a little bit too pricey. But uh, we'll see what happens with Benazé and if he's a good fit. Uh, another bit of team news in terms of transfers as well an outgoing transfer Terrence Boyd a player who uh, just never really settled in with Toronto FC I mean you can go back to that penalty miss uh, way back in the first game of the season in the CONCACAF Champions League and it just never seemed to quite click for him from that point on by the end Greg Vanny you know he he didn't really trust him and uh, at the same time Boyd didn't uh, ever give too much reason for Vanny to to continuously pick him in his lineup so uh, Toronto FC continuing to uh, kind of reshape their their front line there after the the Patrick Mullins for Jordan Hamilton trade that they already made so uh, I, I guess um, you know a, a move that I guess we could have seen coming considering what's what's taking place with Boyd so far this season. Yeah, I mean, I feel a little bit bad for Boyd. Things just didn't work out here. And you mentioned the penalty miss in Panama against uh, Independiente, and that was probably, uh, although we didn't see it at the time, it was a harbinger of things to come with Terrence Boyd. And, you know, uh, certainly uh, in the dealings that I had with him, which which were fairly minimal, I talked to him probably on two or three occasions. Uh, I really liked him as a person uh, and and. You know, Greg Vanny, uh, you know, alluded to that in his comments that he was a good person, good guy. It just wasn't a fit here. So 
you know, m- certainly my hope for Terrence Boyd is that he can go back to Germany, find himself, um, you know, refine his game. You know, for for Toronto FC though, it's it it was time to move on. This was this was a move that was going to have to be made because. Frankly, I, I didn't see any sort of rate of return coming from Terrence Boyd. Uh, just completely unable to find his touch, unable to find his rhythm. And he wasn't, you know, he wasn't going to be selected to, to uh, Greg Vanny's 18, let alone the 11. Yeah, certainly. Uh, it sounds like, you know, this might be the, the last action of the transfer window for Toronto FC as well um, from comments made by Greg Vanny. But uh, I wonder, too, about that striker position, you know, uh, with Boyd leaving. They now have Io Akinola, They have Mullins, as I mentioned. And, of course, Josie Altador, who's looked great recently, but we all know uh, is a uh, you know, pretty consistent injury concern for Toronto FC. Uh, I, I still wonder if they do something there. I mean, it, it might be internal. I mean, they have a guy like Jordan Peruzza who's in the Golden Boot conversation for uh, USL um, League One down there. I, I mean, it's it's a tough. You know, that's that's one of the positions where it's very tough to to make the transition between the two leagues. Uh, and I'm very interested to see. You know, we've seen sh- uh, you know glimpses from Schaffelberg, although he plays a a very different position in how the transition is between this uh, League One and MLS. But uh, what do you think they do there? Because as I said, I mean, it's not the it's not the deepest position right now for Toronto FC. Um, although certainly they've they've done a lot this this transfer window as well. Uh, I wouldn't do a whole lot, and I think Greg Vanny is being quite honest when he says that he doesn't, you know, the, in terms of any further movement within this transfer window. They've been really busy in this transfer window, and I think mm-hmm. uh, at this point you have so many new faces and characters coming into the team. Uh, it's probably best to just try and go with some stability. I, I believe that, you know, they're going to look to a player like Patrick Mullins maybe as a depth player behind obviously the hope is that Josie can remain fit through the rest mm-hmm. of the season we know that there have been some in- injury concerns you know not just this year but throughout his career if if I'm TFC you 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 also have players like Pazuelo that you can move forward and have had some success I know it's not the ideal position for him but they have had some success with that. I, right. As far as you know, bringing in any further, you're just looking at depth now. Um, I, I, I don't anticipate any major moves um, at that forward position, if any at all. Yeah, it's already going to be pretty tough for Greg Vanny to pick an 11. I mean, um, yeah, certainly we need to still see what Gallardo looks like or what Benazay looks like, but you think about guys like Jonathan Osorio, Marky Delgado, some of those midfielders um, in an already crowded midfield, and you know it's it's going to be incredibly tricky for Vanny now to to pick an eleven and honestly to keep everyone happy because a lot of these players do consider themselves to be starting caliber players in MLS, and certainly in in Osorio's case, you know he's paid like a consistent starter in MLS, so um, yeah, it's going to be tricky over the next couple of months. Uh, you do have a lot of games that, that and you do need to kind of transition some of these guys in but uh, you know I, I it's it's a tough roster decision always a good one to have when you have this sort of depth and certainly that was a hallmark of the 2017 Toronto FC side and uh, 
probably something that wasn't uh, didn't go as well with last year's Toronto FC team. But um, this is this is going to be a tough uh, road ahead for Vanny. Well, yeah, I mean it's a good problem to have as you as you mentioned there because now you have internal competition for mm. roster spots for playing time. I think that's a that's a great problem to have as opposed to what they had last year where it was whoever is available and fit even remotely fit will play. So yeah, that I mean that midfield there are going to be very good players who are not going to see the kind of playing time that maybe uh that certainly that they would want and maybe deserve um but for Greg Vanny it it allows him the opportunity uh to play his best players which is what they need as they come into this critical stretch of the season yeah I remember during the 2017 season conversations about Benoit Sheru kind of leading a practice squad against the the main side and how important that was to to keeping Toronto FC sharp throughout the year so uh, if they can have something similar develop over the next couple of months and and everyone you know in a healthy way competes for their spots certainly could be um, good in Toronto FC rising very quickly up a, an Eastern Conference that, uh, quite frankly, hasn't been very good this season and can quickly be, uh, you know, you can rise very quickly within it. Um, at, at this point, you know, we mentioned three TAM signings, Gonzalez, uh, Gallardo, and, uh, of course, Benazé as well now. Greg Vanny, I mean, he's been talking for literally years now, I guess, about the fact that he wants wide players and uh, he he wants to to play this certain style with the MLS. Felt that they were getting shut down too easily when they were trying to play through the middle, and this gives them uh, a ton more options. He he now has he, these players. He now kind of has the roster that he's been asking for in, in a lot of ways. Uh, he mentioned as much in in training this week. Um, do you think it's it's really time now that that we start to to see results for him? Because uh, you know, I think that was the one thing that I always kind of held to was, well, he doesn't necessarily have the team that he wants, and, and he's been asking for for you know a, a reasonable amount of time. And I think it's it's fair to expect that he got these players. Now that he does, uh, you'd think things should probably turn around in a hurry. Well, there's no excuse now. I mean, mm-hmm. and and. Obviously, with the departures of Sebastian Jovinko and and Victor Vasquez uh, during last off season, it put uh, it put Vanny and TFC a little bit behind the eight ball because I think for the most part those and they would be the first to admit it those departures were somewhat um, uh, you know unforeseen. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Jovinko there had been rumblings of discontent with him for quite some time. But Vasquez, certainly the move to Qatar came very much out of the blue. Up until now, I've really felt that the 2019 season for Toronto FC, in terms of of Greg Vanny and this team, the word that I would use to describe the roster is incomplete. They really haven't had, I know they've brought in Pozuelo and they've brought in a few different guys, but they really haven't had, and Greg Vanny's alluded to it at times when things have not been going well. He's been asked the question about whether or not he has the players or whether he needs, you know, more or different players um, to come in. And he's, al- he's, he's always said, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't have the, the tools necessary to completely see my vision out to fruition. Now those tools are there, and you look at you look at the last sort of third of this season, 
and the schedule that they've they've got. There's there are only mm-hmm. two Western Conference games remaining on the schedule for Toronto FC: September fifteenth versus Colorado, and then September twenty first at LAFC. Everything else is in the East. So for this roster to come together at this time is absolutely critical. Absolutely. Let's uh, look at Toronto FC's schedule then a, a little bit quickly here. They've got the Red Bulls this weekend, Orlando at home on the 10th of August, uh, Columbus away on the 17th, Montreal at home on the 24th, the Revs away on the 31st, Cincy away on September 7th, and then New York City FC away on the 11th of September. So as I alluded to a little earlier, I mean, there's not much separating, you know, all of the teams in in this Eastern Conference right now, even some of the sides like uh, potentially in NYCFC and Atlanta, who we expected to be much better this season, have had their their struggles. So there's a big opportunity here for Toronto FC to uh, hop a number of teams during this stretch. How critical is this stretch? I know they uh, people always mention the, these summer months as the times when you really want to start gearing up and getting ready for, um, you know, for the playoff push, certainly. And, and this is a time when we've seen sides like Seattle, like Portland, um, finish very strong and then go on to runs and, and win MLS Cup. Certainly don't want to get a, ahead of ourselves there. But uh, this is certainly, as you mentioned, a, a very critical time of the season and uh, probably good timing that Toronto FC has a number of new options that they can look to now. Well, yeah. And I mean, you look at a, a team like New York City FC currently sitting fourth in the Eastern Conference. They've played 20 games. Toronto FC's played 23. So mm-hmm. NYCFC has three games in hand. But as we've seen with Toronto FC in the past, you have these games in hand. You have to win them. Mm-hmm. And the schedule's going to get really congested for some of those teams that have games in hand. Although I don't, I think NYC is the only team in the East that has any games in hand on Toronto FC. I look at Red Bulls this weekend, and to me, that that game, I'm... I'm not necessarily putting an L beside it just yet, but Red Bull Arena has been a, a bit of a, a <laughs> bogey place for, for Toronto FC, even in that 2017 season. I think in the regular season, they went there and drew. They did win there in the playoffs, though. Orlando and Columbus, two games you have to win. The critical four-game stretch for me is Montreal at home, August 24th, then at New England, at Cincinnati, at New York City FC. You have to win the game at Cincy. New England under Bruce Arena has been a much better team. In fact, Mm -hmm. they've leapfrogged Toronto FC. So that's not going to be an easy game. And then you've got the September 11th game at New York City at at, uh, Yankee Stadium. Um, That that four-game chunk before the Colorado LAFC back-to-backs, that that four-game chunk to me is is absolutely going to be critical. But I look at this schedule, and really outside of LAFC – and potentially Red Bulls this weekend, all of those games are winnable. And you're talking about teams around you in the standings. The time, you know, we talk about in golf, they talk about moving day on Saturday. We've reached moving day for Toronto (laughs) FC. They're sitting eighth. They're, They're one point out of a playoff place right now. I could see them potentially jumping as high as even second because Atlanta's only, only four points up the road. But um, it's all there for TFC. The schedule sets up for them quite nicely. I could, you know, I've sort of looked at the schedule and looked at the schedules of some of the other teams, and I see it being very, very close. Uh, I expect TFC to make the playoffs, 
but it's going to be very close for those those wild card games the 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 two through four having the the home playoff games against the five through sevens that it's going to be very close as to who's going to have the home dates for those games tfc could get a home date i don't think they should be afraid if they have to go on the road either yeah, they've been uh, pretty solid against Eastern Conference opposition this season. It's been kind of the West where they've struggled. And as you mentioned, not too many trips out West left this season. So that's that's going to help them out a little bit. I should mention as well, during that stretch, they do play uh, the Ottawa Fury on August 14th and the 7th. So uh, even more fixture congestion there. We'll talk about those matchups just a little bit later. But I did want to talk about Josie Altador because I think he certainly bears mentioning for the recent stretch he's been on as we've mentioned you know he's he's been an injury concern of late he certainly was this season he's already missed some time but uh once again when he's healthy and when he's uh playing at his best as he has been of late uh you know he's been very central to this recent mini resurgence from Toronto FC and four goals in four games three of them pretty spectacular um you know it's it's been a wild stretch for Josie Altsidar and he really does look like a dominant force in MLS once again uh he's refound 2017 Josie mm-hmm. and that that uh, you know you think about the playoff run that he had uh, actually, really, both through through 2016 and 2017, um, Josie was. I, I mean, I, I know everyone talks about Jovinko and him selling tickets with the, some of the the you know the incredible artistic moves. They don't win that MLS Cup. They don't reach MLS Cup in 16, and they don't win it in 17 without Josie Altador. And listen, it's. You know, we, we talked about it earlier in this show about depth at striker. They don't have it. And really, this team is going to sink or swim based on, on the back of Josie Altador. If, if Josie can maintain form, maintain fitness, Toronto FC is a dangerous team in the East. Should he get hurt or fall off of form? then it's going to be tough to see where the goals are going to come from. They're going to have to defend, obviously, uh, with or without Josie. But uh, in terms of goal scoring, he's, he's the real linchpin for me. He's, he's got to be scoring or they're, they're not going to have a lot of success. Speaking of the defensive side of the ball, as you did just then, uh, Omar Gonzalez has come in. We've, you know, we haven't seen a massive sample size from him yet, but in the small sample size we have, I mean, it really seems promising. His command of the back line is something we haven't seen uh, probably since Drew Moore at times last season when he was at, at his best during that CONCACAF Champions League runs and, and, you know, dating back to the 2017 season as well. I mean, just so confident back there, so calm. His distribution's very good, and he seems to, you know, be a player that really brings out the best in his partner. I think in particular, Chris Mavinga looks like uh, a guy who alongside him, you know, he, they complement each other just so well that all of a sudden Toronto FC could have potentially one of the best uh, you know, center back pairings in MLS if, if this continues to develop. And uh, considering the way they've leaked goals this season, that has to be um, something that they're keying in on towards, you know, certainly this run and, and into the playoffs as, you know, the, the goals for the most part have always been there and the chance creation, but it's it's been the way they've been scored on that's that's been the big issue. So um, certainly if Gonzalez can keep up this run of form, that's going to make all the difference down the stretch. 
Well, I mean, you need to look no further than that that, that three game stretch that they had there. The the game in Montreal, then the the home game against Red Bulls, where you know Omar comes in, and it looks night and day to what we had seen, you know, in the run up to those games without Gonzalez in the lineup. They looked like they were very they were going to be very difficult to break down, very difficult to score on. Then you have that game, and I know people criticize Greg Vanny for the lineup. The, that you look at that stretch of games, the the weather conditions that they had played in, the number of games, you know, different little injury knocks here and there. Without Omar Gonzalez on that back line against that uh, against Houston, I mean, they concede less than five minutes into the game. They're down two zero at half. They end up falling behind 3-0. Like, you, you, you're not going to win games when you concede mm-hmm. three goals, and particularly with the ease that they, con- they conceded them, and we can talk about the reasons why. But frankly, you know, when you have Laurent Simon and Eric Zavaleta playing together, that's not a good enough tandem. Uh, you, when you put Simon with Mavinga, they're too, too, they're, they're too much of the same player, frankly. Gonzalez adds that sort of steady Drew Moore type element. And I, you know, I know Drew's been itching to get back in the lineup and now he is back, but you have to, you have to wonder about his, you know, whether he'll be able to main, maintain fitness through the end of the season. Um, for me, Gonzalez is a huge difference maker. Or talk about Josie being so important on the front end for this team. Omar Gonzalez to me is going to be as important, if not more important, for Toronto FC at the back end going forward. Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, some some big pieces for Toronto FC that uh, will kind of dictate how this season goes along. Let's uh, let, let's wrap up the Toronto FC segment and kind of transition into our Canadian Championship segment as well by uh, talking about Toronto FC entering the competition. Of course, at the semifinal round, uh, they'll get the Ottawa Fury, who uh, narrowly defeated the Halifax Wanderers in what was just a heck of a series between the two sides. I mean, some incredible goals, some incredible moments, and a lot of fun as this competition has been uh, so far. Um this one's interesting for me because we, we've mentioned that Toronto FC is getting deeper. There's a number of players who uh, I think you'd like to give an opportunity in these games. Uh, at, the, at the same time, you know, this is a competition that Toronto FC has continuously circled as one they want to win every year as the CONCACAF Champions League is so very important to them and uh, as it is to President Bill Manning as well. Uh, what do you think the, the lineup looks for looks like for this game for Toronto FC any young guys you'd expect to get minutes I mean certainly that's usually the question going into these Canadian championship games is um, which players you know from from Toronto FC two or even uh, on the periphery of the first team are we going to see anybody you're you're hoping to see in that match I think you're going to see a you know predominantly young lineup in Ottawa I think you're going to see a lineup that is full of Canadians obviously for you have to play Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for roster um, restrictions in the Canadian Championship, you're going to see a lot of Canadian, young Canadian talent there. Um, I I expect that they'll go to Ottawa. You know, they'll put on a good performance. I, I you know, I think it's kind of going to be like what we've seen in years past with Toronto FC going to Ottawa. I know a couple of years ago they lost in the first leg in Ottawa or, you know, they have they they you know, have very narrow wins or draws. I think it'll be tight in Ottawa. 
the question for me is whether the Fury can keep it close once things get back to Toronto and to BMO Field. They've not shown in the past that they've really been able to do that, and I'm I'm not sure that they're up to it again. I expect Toronto FC to breeze through, not breeze through this series, but they should advance without too much trouble. Yeah, I'd probably tend to agree. I mean, we saw the struggles that they had at times with with Halifax, um, and you know, it's it does seem like this Ottawa team maybe has has taken a step back from what it's been in the past. Certainly, they've struggled a little bit in in USL Championship this year, so. Um, Probably not going to be too much of a test for Toronto FC, but uh, we'll, we'll see if, well, if Toronto. Sorry, go I, ahead. It's tough to it's tough to to measure because you know you say well they had trouble with Halifax and that that to me is not a huge surprise, particularly when you look at what York Nine did with the Montreal Impact, right. and I mean look no further than Cavalry <laughs> FC knocking out the Whitecaps. I think the Canadian I think it says more about the Canadian Premier League teams than it does about MLS and USL and what it says about the Canadian Premier League is that those teams uh, although maybe not on the same level they're not far away and you get an an out out of form MLS team like the Whitecaps playing up against the spring season champions in the CPL Cavalry FC Um, the upset the, the, the seeds of the upset were there and uh, you know, good on Cavalry for getting that done. Yeah, let's let's talk about that actually quickly because you know it was such a major story within the you know the Canadian soccer landscape and certainly a monumental moment for the Canadian Premier League. You know, um, I, I certainly I think going into this was hoping and expecting the Canadian Premier League teams to be competitive in this round, but I don't know if I thought one of them was going to be able to take down an MLS side over two rounds, even as you mentioned, with the way the Vancouver Whitecaps have struggled this season, um, especially considering, you know, this is the first year for a lot of these teams, although, to be fair, the Whitecaps are kind of looking like a first-year team yeah, as well. Yeah, within yeah MLS. I mean, I think Dos Santos, before the season, called them basically an expansion side, yeah, which hasn't so, been far off. So, yeah, that's uh, th- that point remains. But uh, I think, you know, going into all three, as you said, the, the way the, the York 9... Honestly, they kind of had their own issues that maybe caused them to not beat Montreal. I mean, it's oh, not York Nine should have won that series. If yeah. York Nine doesn't make the mistakes that they do, they have the 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 gaff by center back Luca Gasparato mm-hmm. uh, for the first Montreal goal. Then they score the two goals, the Telfer goal, uh, and then the 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 second goal to go ahead. And then you know goalkeeper Nathan Ingham, who's who's had a really really good season, um, just has a moment of madness. He, he comes out, commits the penalty um, to, to send it back to Montreal 2-2, you know, and then, you know, credit to, to Ignacio Piatti. He uh, cleverly saw that uh, Diadin Abzi's arms were away from his body. He plays the ball into his arm. It's a penalty. And that's the difference in the series mm-hmm. is Mo- uh, Montreal... I don't want to say they didn't make mistakes because they did. York nine was unable to take advantage of some of those mistakes. Whereas, and I think this is what the CPL sides learned a little bit. When you make mistakes against high level competition, like MLS teams, they will punish you for any mistakes that you make. 
and Piotti punished Abzi for leaving his arms or, or, or just not paying attention to where his arms were in relation to his body inside the box, plays the ball off the arm, penalty, series over. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, it was there for Halifax as well if they don't make a, a couple of errors. Jan Michael Williams, man. Yeah. Two, yeah. two bad, bad goals to give up. Yeah, free Oxner is what I'm saying. But um, oh yeah, well all over the Ox. Yeah, he's been uh, he's been a revelation for them this season certainly. But uh, yeah, so overall, just a, a pretty impressive round for the Canadian Premier League. And now, you know, Cavalry will get a chance to do it again against the Montreal Impact. And considering, you know, the Impact are such an inconsistent side, we see them sometimes look like world beaters in MLS, and other times, I mean, certainly in those two legs against York. Uh, you know, and and at times throughout this season, certainly in uh, trips to Sporting Kansas City, um, they've had massive struggles. So, you know, if if the white or if the impact take this at all lightly, and even probably if they don't, Cavalry really have an opportunity here to to do something even more incredible. And that's certainly going to be the one I, I think the one this round that everyone's going to have circled on their calendars. I'm not sure that the White Caps took Cavalry lightly. I think they were just lethargic, and I just I think they were the second best team, and that that's I, I, that's my honest assessment on that. That Cavalry team is a pretty good team. There are players on that team who could be playing at MLS um, without any question in my mind. Montreal. It's tough to say because, like you said, they're a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde team. They they. I think they lost four in a row on the bounce um, before, like outside of that Canadian Championship Series against York 9 in MLS play. I think they'd lost four in a row, and then they smash Philadelphia to bits 4-0. <laughs> I'm not too sure what to expect. I do think that Montreal will get through that series, but I think Cavalry will give them more of a more of a push than maybe they were hoping for. Um, I think the York nine series should set off alarm bells for them, you know, that they, they're going to have to be on their game. And, you know, I believe that Remy guard did not take uh, York nine lightly. I don't think they're going to take cavalry lightly. That could be a really interesting series. I listen, if cavalry gets through to the, the, the uh, Canadian championship final against uh, against either Toronto FC or or Ottawa Fury, and I think we both can sit here and probably, you know, f- fairly confidently suggest that it's going to be Toronto FC. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be entirely shocked. I mean, I, I think it, you would have to look at Cavalry as the underdogs right now, for sure. But if they were to get past Montreal, hey, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet. A, uh, you know, I, I, I don't wouldn't. I wouldn't be entirely shocked if if Cavalry pulls off the upset there. They did it once. Why not again? Yeah, I wouldn't be entirely shocked either. And what a moment that would be for the Canadian Premier League. And uh, what a competition it's already been, as we mentioned. Um, you're probably going to need to get out your second screens, though, when the first round goes on August 7th because the two matches are played simultaneously. At 7.30, uh, of course, Toronto, Ottawa, and uh, Cavalry, and the Montreal Impact. The second leg, 
uh, is on the West Coast for the Calvary tie. So 9.30 kickoff there and 7.30 for Toronto FC in Ottawa. But, you know, certainly very exciting there. And, and we've already seen the, the kind of lifeblood that the, the Canadian Premier League sides have uh, injected into this competition and has made it that much more wild over the past couple of weeks. Um, let's let's talk a bit about the MLS All Star Game now and and those new uh, skill challenges that they added last night. I don't know if you got the opportunity to watch them, Michael, um, but what are your thoughts on them and and what you've seen from them so far? Uh, I caught a little bit of it. Uh, I, I caught the shooting competition and and a few of the other little things. Uh, you know what? This is a this is a thing. You know, you talk about the NBA All-Star Weekend and, and the game is often overshadowed by the dunk competition and now the three-point competition is, has sort of um, staked its claim as, as one of the big events of that weekend. You know, you look at the NHL skills competition. To me, what I saw last night reminded me a little bit of the NFL Pro Bowl um, skills competition, uh, partly because it's, I, it was at, they didn't play dodgeball. <laughs> it was at ESPN's Wide World of Sports, which is the same venue for mm. for the Pro Bowl, or you know, for the Pro Bowl one when they play the Pro Bowl in Orlando. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I think this is if you're a hardcore fan, I don't think any of this stuff is of any interest to you. I did find the three team concept a little odd. The MLS All-Stars versus Orlando City versus <laughs> Atletico Madrid. I don't, to me, that it got a little bit cluttered. But I, this is a marketing tool to maybe market, to, you know, to try and promote the league to an audience that may not otherwise be as engaged. I think it's, you know, for the for younger people. Again, it to me... It's a little bit like the Pro Bowl skills competition. The only thing that this one lacked that the Pro Bowl skills competition has and this one needs to have is that the the, the competition needs to be decided by a game of dodgeball. <laughs> That's the way it should be. And and you could, you know, I, 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 it just, you know, to me, it's a bit of a gimmicky event, um, but I'm cool with it. If it, if it opens the door to um, creating more fans then that's great for the league and it's good for the game. Would I ever watch Yao Felix just run across as Wayne Rooney pings balls? <laughs> that would be incredible. Yeah, it'd be um, a lot of fun. Yeah. I, no, I mean, not, nothing, you know, nothing could possibly go wrong. No yeah. one would get hurt. Yeah. Atletico would never agree to that. But no. yeah, I, I certainly, uh, I don't know. Well, I, 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 I got to like, would you have even had Atletico be a part of that? Like if you wanted to do... MLS versus Orlando City, would that not have just been enough? Like, did you need to have Atletico be a part of that competition from your perspective? That's an interesting point. I think the Atletico players did actually enjoy it. Like, I think it is about picking the right players. And I know a lot of people were kind of, you know, wondering why they didn't rotate the players more. But I think they, they, they seemed to pick three players from each group that were kind of interested in doing this and and had a fun time with it, which seemed like fun. I don't know. I think I think it was cool. I, I know the three-team format. I, I don't know which team I'd take out. Well, I guess not. I guess it'd probably be the host team um, th- that I'd take out. But, I, you know, I thought it was interesting. I think certainly the format could be better. I think there's more... I don't know what you're looking for here. I think is is a couple of viral moments, and they they got a couple of those with Nanny yep. winning it late, and you know certainly the Wayne Rooney volley as well will be um, will be 
played on airtime, and I don't know if these events necessarily lend themselves that well to them. I mean, certainly, you know, shooting for targets, unless a player's going to do something ridiculous there, that's probably not going to do much. I think there's more skill-based challenges that maybe they can do, but, uh, you know, I think they might be on to something here, um, and certainly interested to see um, w- what they do with it going forward. I, I know personally I initially was not very in on the MLS All-Star game, but I've come to kind of enjoy it and see it for what it is over um, the the past couple of years, which I guess is is more of a platform for me at least for some of these younger guys to get an opportunity to play yeah. against uh, some of these top guys. And certainly in that sense, I'm very excited to see what a guy like Mark Anthony K can do uh, oh, for sure. against Atletico Madrid tomorrow. Or today, yeah, for rather. sure. I mean, and uh, Noble Akello uh, scoring the... the equalizing goal in the homegrown game doesn't hurt either. Right, certainly doesn't. Yeah, MVP as well of that game. I, I think Akello is one of those guys that uh, I'd like to certainly see get an opportunity with the Ottawa Fury. I mean, we know he was called yeah. up to Canada or against the Ottawa Fury. We know he was called up to that uh, Canada Gold, Gold Cup, Cup squad. squad. So, you know, again, anytime I've seen him play against players who are his age, and I know – when he, when you're a little bit younger, the size certainly makes it a massive advantage. But uh, he he's always looked like an incredibly dominant player, even at any age group for Canada. So um, I think Toronto FC certainly has a prospect there, and I think it's only a matter of time before they need to start giving him, um, you know, professional minutes and, Absolutely. and playing him alongside Liam Frazier. I think would be something that would be a lot of fun to see against Ottawa. Absolutely, yeah. He's certainly one of the names. When I talk about young Canadian players, he's one of the names I had in mind. Well, certainly going to be some some interesting talking points again coming out of that Canadian Championship coming up and uh, MLS All-Star Weekend, I guess, less so. But uh, again, uh, always, always at least a little intriguing to see the MLS guys go up against uh, some of the top clubs in Europe and uh, Atletico are are certainly fitting that bill with with some of the signings they've made this offseason. So uh, very excited to watch that. But uh, as for this show, we will wrap it up there. Michael, thanks as always for joining me. Thanks very much for having me, Mitchell, anytime. And everyone else, thanks for listening.